0: Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to Hillside, IT1, Seaside, and all of you viewing around the world. Um, my name is David Ahn. I'm one of the pastors here at New Philly. And no, I am not Pastor Christian, and nor am I the lead pastor. I have to make that clear, because last time I preached, someone thought I was Pastor Christian. So, Pastor Christian, if you're watching this, you're welcome. Not just playing. I'm just playing. But... Um, no, and I'm not here to lead us into a call to worship, nor am I here to lead us into a time of praise, but I'm here to preach the word. <laughs> a pastor named uh, James McDonald, he describes that every time he preaches, he treats the word of God like a lion in a cage. And when he preaches, all he does is he just lets that lion out of the cage, and he just let his, he gets out of the way, and he just let it, lets it do its own thing. You know, so I'm going to let this lion out, Amen. Uh, but before I let this line out, I wanna ask you what the theme for New Philly this year is. Yeah. Wisdom, right? We have it beautifully portrayed in the back here. It is the year of wisdom. In Korean, it's the year of qie. Alright? In, uh, in Afrikaan, to all my South African brothers and sisters out there, it is the year of we shed. Can someone tell me if that's right or not? Ah, uh, okay, by, by side. <laughs> I did not get that right. All right, but, um, and in Espanol, in Spanish, to my disappointment, it is not Wisdomo, as many of us thought it was. But to all my Spanish-speaking uh, friends out there, amigos, it is the year of Sabiduría. All right, say it to your neighbor, Sabiduría. All right, roll those R's, okay? Yes. Yes. Preach. So, you know, year of wisdom, uh, you know, even just thinking about it, I knew this was the next natural step for New Philly, you know, as we keep maturing, as we keep growing, uh, wisdom, you know, by wisdom, a house is built. Amen. But every time there's a theme, you know, whether it's for a birthday, whether it's for a restaurant or for our church, you know, year theme, I always got to ask the question, what's the point? You know, what, what is the purpose, right? Uh, You know, my mind is just geared to know why I'm doing the things I'm doing. You know, we're designed in a way to uh, ask why we believe what we believe in, right? Uh, So even last year, I got the honor to preach uh, pretty early on. Last year's theme was the year of inspiration. And uh, the conclusion I came to was uh, the reason why we get inspired, the reason why we receive creativity, it's to build the house of God. In that same way, that's what I'm going to preach on today. The purpose of this year of wisdom So let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians 1, verse 15. And let's let this lion out. Ephesians, it's in the latter half of the New Testament. And if you're there, say, (laughs) Sabiduria. I guess no one's saying it. So I'll just read it out. Uh, For this reason... Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So this is actually the theme verse for me personally, so it's something really close to my heart. And if you're taking notes, this is what I'll be preaching on today. This is my purpose statement. This is my thesis. So get ready. Get your pens ready. We should all desire the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may grow in our understanding of the fullness of the knowledge of God. I'm here to tell you today that the whole point of wisdom is knowledge. We should all desire the spirit of wisdom and revelation to grow in our understanding of the fullness of the knowledge of God. New Philly is an army of God that really loves Jesus. Amen? You know, we... Yeah, we, we really love the Lord. Hillside, Itawan, Amen. Sydney, Seaside, Amen. Wait, you're not you're not at uh all right. hey, those watching all around the world, Amen. All right, yeah, I'm just making sure everyone's listening, you know. Uh but yeah, New Philly, we we love the Lord. You know, we we have a really active leadership. It's marked by, you know, zeal. It's marked by selflessness. We love discipleship in this house. We have a church that Really believes in the in the power of prayer, you know. We, we have so many prayer meetings and movements, and we're all about yeah, just believing in that. We have crazy people like uh, Peter Jacob, you know, going to church plants in Sydney and Busan. We have people who really love the Lord. And for those of you who don't know, uh, I actually before I came out to Korea, I was uh, doing a one year missions with uh, Campus Crusade Christ in Japan, and I was there in 2011 uh, during the whole tsunami earthquake time and. Uh, you know, there's a whole nuclear radiation threat. And our director told us, you got to get out of the country because, you know, you're going to grow a third eyeball or something. So come to Korea for two weeks. And then we came out here and, you know, I was very reluctant. But, you know, once, once I came out here, um, yeah, I came to New Philly and it worked out in a way where I was able to go to our church's retreat. It was called Encounter for those who were there. And that's when I really got to see that, wow, New Philly, man, we love the Lord. New Philly is a house that just loves Jesus and church, I really want to commend you because, yeah, we're not like many other churches that, that really just love the Lord with all their heart, right? Um, but today, one area I want to encourage our church to grow in is to love the Lord with our mind. Mark twelve thirty, it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Again, New Philly, we're great at loving the Lord with our soul, you know, strength, our our uh what's the third one our hearts yes our heart soul strength and but today i want to i want to encourage us let's love the lord with our mind so if you go back to your text in ephesians i want to focus specifically on verse 17 and it says that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him Just to give you some background on the city of Ephesus, Ephesus was a wealthy port city. It was in the Roman province of Asia, a little history lesson. It was the center of learning, and it was also a place that was near uh, a lot of land routes. So a lot of trading was there. It was a place of commerce. It was a big metropolis. Learning, yeah, commerce, all these things were happening there. Uh, It was also a place where the temple of Artemis existed, and that was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. If you don't know, now you know. And Artemis was a goddess. She was the daughter of Zeus. She was the sister of Apollo, the god of war. Anyone here like Greek mythology? Hercules? Yeah, really, one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, Yeah, so, you know, she she was the one with the bow and arrows. Uh, Yeah, anyways. uh, And before Paul's day, Ephesus hosted the temple of the quote-unquote divine Julius Caesar. So needless to say, Ephesus was a city with much idolatry. All right? They were a city that was... Fascinated with magic and the occult. And in the context of a city known for the source of its wisdom to come from either Greek philosophy or ancient magic or occult, Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus to be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In that context, he's pretty much saying, you got to know what the true wisdom of God is and how it's better than anything else that the world has to offer. And just to elaborate, I'm going to talk about two reasons why Paul prays for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So the first one is, Paul knows that God has already blessed the church of Ephesus with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How many of you know that in Christ Jesus, every spiritual blessing is made available to us? Amen? Now, Paul, he's praying that God will open up their eyes so that they really grasp what that means. You know, he knows that they already have every spiritual blessing in Christ, but what he's saying is, I don't want you just to know it on a surface level, but I want you to know it in a deeper way. And the second reason why Paul is writing this to the church of Ephesus is because in light of Paul knowing they have every spiritual blessing, he doesn't want his readers to become complacent. He doesn't assume that just because they have everything they need in Christ, that they have to, they have the okay to stop growing in their understanding of these Christian blessings. In other words, he doesn't want them to be complacent. So again, two things when writing this letter. Paul wants them to understand every spiritual blessing in a deeper way and he doesn't want the church to be complacent. And I want to ask you, Philly, have you ever felt the temptation to be complacent? Got a loud yes there. All right. So, and specifically complacent in your your desire to grow in the knowledge of God. You could be complacent about a lot of things, but specifically complacency, a lack of desire to grow in the knowledge of God. You know, in times of difficulty, you're desperate to know the Lord. You know, when they say, uh, in good times, God, God whispers, but in, in hard, difficult times, God's just yelling at you at the top of his lungs, right? And when there's times of financial difficulty, when you have, you know, a family member who's, who's dying or anything like this, man, you're desperate to know God's goodness. And, you know, even on the week of, before you go on a mission trip, and you know you got to preach two or three times every day in the Philippines. Let me tell you, you're desperate to know God. And, you know, especially in times of transition, you know, especially if you're a newcomer coming out here and you're, you're seeing all the good things, man, you're just hungry. You're just hungry to know God. But it's in times of, of peace, it's in times of goodness, where it's really easy to become complacent. And can I be honest? Church, I'm asking you a question. Can I be honest? Yes? It's pretty easy to be complacent here at New Philly. I'm just being honest. It's easy to become complacent because, because we're blessed. We have a good here. You know, there's no one outside waiting to stone us. We're not persecuted. You know, we're not, we're not being hated on. You know, we could have a, a cross on our building and it's fine. We're not, you know, we're, we're blessed. You know, we have good structure here. Uh, good teaching, good solid teaching, very balanced doctrine. You know, we have very reformed uh, Calvinistic uh, lead pastor in this house. And at the same time, we always make room for the spirit to move. A lot of balanced doctrine. We have safety. Every time you come up here, you receive prayer from the pastors or altar ministers. You don't have to worry about where they're coming from. They're walking in holiness. They're held accountable. There's there's a lot of safety. People are healed and delivered. There's, you know, a culture of extravagant worship, you know, people <laughs> dancing up and down and just making fools of themselves because they really love the Lord. We have it good here. We're blessed. And when you're in a place like New Philly, a place where you're just constantly blessed, it's easy to forget what it feels like to walk without spiritual authorities praying for you, covering you, discipling you, speaking life into you, speaking the hard things that need to be sent. It's easy to forget what it feels like to be consumed with the worries and the stresses of this world. It's easy to forget what it feels like to walk in the bondage of sin. Any any leader in this house, when's the last time you remember walking in some bondage? You know, it's been a long time, right? I hope it's been a long time, right? A little silent there. Um, You know, it's easy for us to, especially at a place like New Philly, to have a lack of urgency to grow in the knowledge of God. And it's easy for us to enter a state of complacency. So church, I'm here today to tell you, God never wants us to be in a state of complacency. Tell your neighbor, don't be complacent. You see, complacency is an enemy in us wanting to know God, wanting to grow in our knowledge of God. God wants us to love him with our, all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, but he wants us to do it at all times. Not sometimes, but at all times. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of him. So I'm going to talk about that. What exactly is this knowledge of God? You know, Paul's understanding when he was writing the knowledge of God, you know, he was a Jew of all Jews. He was a really smart dude back in the day. And, you know, he knew the Old Testament uh, in and out and, That's where his understanding of the knowledge of God came. And knowledge of God, it often was described as knowing God's will. It was described uh, beginning with the fear of him. It also meant obedient and grateful acknowledgement of his deeds. But most of all, knowledge of God meant to be in a close relationship with him. Simply because he made himself known to us. See, in the Old Testament, as well as in the writings of Paul, knowledge... It wasn't a fixed quantity. It wasn't like, I got two gigabytes of God's knowledge in my brain, and that's it. No, it's not a fixed quantity, but it was something that develops in the life of a person as they are obedient. You see, knowledge of God is something that develops in the context of a relationship with him. You can't just get knowledge of him but outside of a relationship. You need to be in communion with him. You need to know who he is, and that's how you grow in a knowledge of him. To grow in the knowledge of God means to grow in our understanding of his will, our fear of him, who he is, but again, most of all, to grow in our personal relationship with him. And that's why even the Greek definition of this word knowledge, it wasn't just, you know, plain knowledge, but it was uh, precise and correct knowledge about things that were ethical and divine. It was a divine knowledge. It wasn't just plain knowledge, but what Paul's saying here is divine knowledge of God grow in the divine knowledge of God what he reveals to you and what he alone can reveal to you so if you haven't guessed the title of my sermon is personal knowledge and this leads to my three wonderful applications that all rhyme so that you can better remember okay just call me rhyme master david all right so the first one is, don't prate, but learn to appreciate. A lot of blank faces out here. <laughs> I was just trying to rhyme with appreciate, so I went on my uh, my website, rhymezone.com, and I found this word prate. It's spelled P-R-A-T-E, for those of you who don't know. And it means to talk foolishly or tediously about something. It means to speak specifically about unimportant matters rapidly and constantly. Don't prate. Tell your neighbor, don't prate. In other words, it's saying don't complain. You know, Don't talk about things that are so unnecessary. Because, man, it's so easy for the focus of our thoughts, our time, our energies to go to things that we were never supposed to focus on in the first place. You know, whether it's an irritable coworker, a financial difficulty, a last-minute schedule change, all these kind of things, uh, don't get me wrong, these are valid things to be concerned about, especially if, you know, you're, you're, you're about to be homeless or something. Those are all valid things to be worried about, but there's a time and place for it. You know, the Word says, cast your cares, cast your burdens to the Lord, but you do it in a place of prayer. You do it in a place of His presence. Uh, but you do it in a way that uh, really just checks your heart, you know, checks your motive. You know, why am I saying the things that I'm saying? It comes, the words that come out of our mouth is from the overflow of our hearts, amen? Let me tell you, even when life is good, it's still easy to, to prate, to complain. You know, you can, this is the nature of our heart. It's, we're just geared in a way, because of the depravity of sin, you know, sin has entered our hearts, you know, it, we're geared in a way to just, want to just complain about things. And I'm telling you, complaining is from the devil, all right? Because one of the consequences, okay, one of the consequences of complaining is complacency. Mmm, complacency is bad, all right? Because complaining, it leads to you talking about things that, again, you shouldn't be talking about, focusing all your time on that. And it's more than that, it's taking you uh, away from just looking at God's goodness. Every time you complain, you forget how good God is. And if you forget how good God is, why do you want to go to a God who is good if you don't think he's good? Which leads to a place of complacency, which leads to a place where you're like, man, my knowledge of God, its I'm good. I don't want to know more about it because look at my life, look at everything around me. I don't. Why would I want to know a God that I don't even think is that good? Complaining leads to a place of complacency. And again, God doesn't want you to be complacent in your pursuit of him. So how do we fight complacency? We do it by learning to appreciate. Don't pray, but appreciate. In other words, fight complacency by being thankful. You got to come from a place of thanksgiving. Again, in uh, Ephesians 1, verse 3, Paul writes, Remember that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's saying Remember. Remember that you are more than a conqueror. Remember that you are a son and daughter of the Most High. Remember you're a child of God. Remember that you are his beloved one. You're the apple of his eye. You are his treasured possession. Remember these things. Amen? For those of you um, who like birds, I'm going to talk about eagle right now. All right? And eagles, eagles have some pests. Okay? Eagles are, you know, lion is the king of the jungle. But an eagle is like the king of the air, all right? You know, it's just, it's just the king, right? It just knows what it's doing. If there was a pride rock in the sky, there'd be a pride cloud for him. You know, the eagle is just, the eagle is the, is the king of the sky, king of the air. But did you know that eagles have some pests? You know, Simba, Mufasa, they had some hyenas. You know, (laughs) hey, you know, Ed, Eddie, or the crazy one, he had some pests. But lions, they have some pests. I mean, like eagles have some pests too they have uh pests and one of which is a crow Ha! all right a crow all right is uh danny and Bin young in here is danny and okay they're not here danny uh he's one of our leaders here um yeah i knew him in college and whenever he ca- whenever we came in his car uh he'd always drive us to like a prayer meeting for our college ministry and one of his things was he always made us do animal noises and we had to go around and do animal noise, and he does a really good crow. So if you see him next week, tell him to do a crow noise for you. Uh, anyways, yeah, eagles have some pests, okay, and one of which is a crow. And crows are always squawking, haka, right? They're always squawking, and they're causing eagles trouble. They're just bothering them, you know. They're just like, hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? They're just, they're just bugging these poor king eagles, right? And although the eagle is much larger. It cannot maneuver quickly, all right? It's not like, it's not like, get out of my way, you know, it's not that, because it's so big. So to get rid of this pest, the eagle, what he does is he simply stretches out his eight foot wingspan, as tall as me, um, (laughs) and he catches some of the thermal currents, science, all right? Just eagle, uh, wingspan, eight foot wingspan, thermal currents, and it just lifts up. It gets higher and higher, Okay? And it just keeps going, and it gets to a place that pretty much, uh, it's an altitude where no other bird can live. You know, if a crow tries to go up there, it can't even breathe, okay? It's higher than most clouds, I, I looked it up, you know, uh, and it's almost as high as, as, uh, the altitude that jets fly in. It's high as Iron Man flies in, you know, it's, it's pretty high, these eagles go pretty high. And it's almost as if the ego goes higher, just to get the right perspective. You raise me up when I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up. Too more than I can be. I had to look up the lyrics. But, um, yes, you know, the eagle just raises up. <laughs> you know, it just, it just goes up. It just goes higher. It just, it's just flying and it just kicks that crow out of the way, you know? And it goes to a place, an altitude, and it gives a high five to Iron Man while he's up there. You know, it's so high, birds can't even breathe. It goes above its pests. There's a lesson we can learn from the eagles, is what I'm saying. And in a similar way, we need to learn to set our eyes on what really matters. We need to not complain and we need to train ourselves to appreciate the good things God has given us. Learn to appreciate every spiritual blessing God has given us. Because when you raise yourself up, when you go into the place of just being in His presence, man, let me tell you, your mind is clear, you have a, a mind of clarity. You're able to see things the right way, you have the right perspective, and you come from a place of thanksgiving because you remember what it was like when you were in the miry pits of destruction. But God raised you up, He set your feet upon a rock, and He makes secure every step that you take. You remember how good our God is, amen? We need to train ourselves. Don't pray, but appreciate. And you could add don't be an eagle or something if you want. Um, second application. It's gonna rhyme. Attain and sustain. Tell your neighbor, attain and sustain. Attain and sustain. Tell your neighbor, not your na- neighbor. Um, we are called to attain knowledge. See, the best place we get the knowledge of God is through his word and being in his presence. Amen? And this knowledge only comes from what revelation God has given us. And I'm going to talk about two types of revelation. Okay, the first one is special revelation, which is what I just mentioned. It's what God, out of his goodness, out of his grace, not because of what we have you know, uh, done to deserve it. He just gives it to us. It's when you hear the gospel for the first time. You hear that you know, you're sinful, you're separated from God, and then you hear the message at the cross, and it just makes sense, and you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's special revelation. There's a special revelation that comes in your quiet time. When you read the word, it just makes sense. It speaks to you, even though you heard it when you were in Sunday school, and it finally makes sense 20 years later. That's special revelation. The second type is general revelation. In Romans 1.20, it says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. His invisible, invis, invisible attributes have been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. In Psalm 19, one, uh, and 2, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And lastly, in James 1:17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift, it's from above. It's coming from the Father of lights. God reveals who He is as Creator through His creation. Amen? So, yeah, the first one, attain, right? Attain general revelation, okay? I'm not saying stop reading your Bible. We need the special revelation too. But attain general revelation, all right? Because every good and perfect gift, it comes from above, amen? And one practical way is just be well-read. Just read some books, guys. Read some books, both Christian and secular, okay? Because you can gain knowledge, whether it's a Christian source or not. Because everything that's good, it ultimately comes from God. And if you don't have a book list, make one. Try to read a book at least once a month. You know, finish it. Don't just start it and then 30 pages into it, you just forget about it and it gathers us. Don't do that. Make a book list. And if, if you're like many of the people I know, and you just buy a bunch of books in our New Philly bookstore, and they're just gathering dust in the bookshelf, make a realistic plan to read those books. I have at least... I have a lot of books in my bookshelf that I have not uh, been able to read over my years that I've accumulated in my room. But I, I made a realistic plan this year. So, yeah, just to, just to read a book a month, you know. So just, just make a realistic plan. Read some books. Another way is just, you know, be up to date. You know, read the news. Uh, Karl Barth, he was a, a 20th century theologian. He said, read, you know, pray with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. He's saying, you gotta know the times that you're living in. Be like, uh, one from the tribe of Issachar who understood the times that they lived in and they were able to act accordingly. Just read the newspaper. Subscribe to something. Everyone, most of us here have a smartphone, you know, get a CNN app or New York Times. New York Times, they only give you three free articles a day. But, uh, yeah, you just, just use your internet browser, whatever. Just, just read the news. All right. Read the news. Be up to date. Amen. Uh, another way is just, just be cultured. Hmm. And uh, actually, Hillside, i got to give it to you. We're, we're pretty cultured, all right? We, we, we. I'm not saying I am, but we are <laughs> cultured. Uh, every Thanksgiving, we have a Thanksgiving banquet here at New Philly, uh, where the members of the house, they just get together. We eat a bunch of turkey. God bless America. And then we just have a talent show, where people just come and they just kind of showcase their talents, right? And uh, this past November, we had, everyone was playing classical something. You know, we had Carrie. Where's Carrie Park? Man, he is so good. He won my heart, man. He was so good. He just, yeah, he, he's a musical genius. But yeah, we had all these people really into classical music. It was great, very beautiful. I felt, I felt cultured after our Thanksgiving. I felt very full, but I felt very cultured as well. And uh, talking about my time in Japan, I remember I was discipling uh, this high school student. He was half Japanese, half British. His name's Makoto. And Makoto, he—he was the most proper 16-year-old boy I've known ever. One of the most cultured Europeans, the Brits—they are cultured, man. I was asking him. I was like, "Hey, man, so uh, what kind of Christian music you listen to? You listen to Christian music?" He's like, "Oh, yes, I do. I listen to Bach." (laughs) I'm like, "Excuse me?" And he's like, "I listen to J.S. Bach. Do you know who that is?" I'm like, "Yes, Johann Sebastian Bach. I know." Wow. Okay, you listen to Christian classical music, nice. I mean, you, it is Christian music, technically, but, you know, it's not like, one way, you know, we're no, it's not something we're really used to, at least my paradigm, Then, yeah, the Brits are very cultured, very cultured. Makoto, you are very cultured, man. Um, and then last week, uh, one of my teammates, Luna, she, I'm going to missions with her uh, to Philippines, and she's got a, she's got an evangelistic gift. She just got no fear of man, she just goes out, says it as it is, and uh, she's really bold, and she befriended this guy, a Japanese guy, his name's uh, Jun, and he plays the contrabass. (laughs) I don't know if everyone knows what that is, because I didn't know what it was until I looked it up. A contrabass is, uh, it's like a big cello, okay? I used to play cello, so I have a really deep appreciation for it. In middle school, I played it for about seven, eight months. I only stuck around that long with it because I thought my teacher was cute. So, Oma, if you're watching, that's the real reason why I did that. Um, no, so contrabass is like a bigger version of a cello, so it's it's a lot taller than than most people. And June, he's a bold guy. He's from Japan, and he's got this huge thing, and he's just gonna travel the world for the next three years, and he's gonna go to um, Asia, Southeast Asia, Middle East, Europe. And I think his destination is, uh, Iceland. He's gonna do that for the next two, three years. And he's just, no plan, no agenda. He was in Cheju for the last two months and he's just playing the contrabass, you know, really beautifully. And, uh, yeah, he had a show last week. And, you know, I just went. I thought it was real, I thought it was gonna be really chill. Like, I didn't know it was gonna be at a, at a nice little house kind of place. And I, I just went, I biked over there. I had my bright orange windbreaker. <laughs> and a hoodie. I felt a little underdressed. I'm not going to lie, but everyone was wearing bow ties and, you know, sipping on tea like this. And, and, uh, but man, let me tell you, I felt cultured (laughs) after, after hearing him play that man, that it was beautiful. I felt very cultured. Okay. So what I'm saying here is just church, we got to be cultured. All right. Tell your neighbor be cultured. You know, attain general revelation, right? But at the same time, you can't just learn all this knowledge, all this especially general revelation, and you can't just take it at face value. It's a brief history lesson. Augustine, he was one of the early church fathers, and he had a very critical but very positive attitude towards philosophy. Okay? So he described that any good or truth found in philosophies originally came from God which led him to believe that any good in philosophy should be utilized for the sake of the gospel. Okay, so he didn't just say, oh, the things of the world, they're they're evil, there's nothing to learn. Because there are people, there's one guy, uh, Justin Martyr, he was, um, guess what happened to him? He was martyred. Uh, he, He believed that philosophy was like really good, almost on the same level as theology. And then you had a guy named Tertullian who was just like what is Athens what is Jerusalem you know th- there's nothing you can learn from from you know greek philosophy and he was very like no it's only the bible but then you have someone like augustine who's kind of like no 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 there's good and there's truth in philosophy there's things we can learn from it if there's anything good in it we could use it to expand the gospel right and we need to keep attaining knowledge through both special and general revelation but i'm here to tell you if you want to be sustained we need to be able to discern what is from God and what is from the world. Attain and sustain. If you want to keep walking towards God, if you want to keep walking in his ways, you can't just take all this general knowledge at face Five. but you've got to learn to, as we like to say here, eat the meat and spit out the bones. We need to be a church that is marked by wisdom and discernment. And this attitude, it, doesn't, it requires a lot of faith and intimacy with God. It requires a lot of faith because you've got to be bold when you read these things. You gotta step out in faith. You can't just go in a safe context of a a Christian bubble or just the Bible. You gotta be, you gotta be faithful. You gotta be courageous. At the same time, it requires intimacy because you gotta know what's on God's heart. You need to know the Word of God. You need to meditate on it day and night so that you have His heart in your heart. And you're able to filter these things out naturally. It's sonship. It's something very important. It's something that we're all called to grow in. So again, Just to review the applications. What's the first one? Appreciate. Appreciate. Second one is? And the third one is? Absorb and transform. Okay? (laughs) It kind of rhymes. It kind of rhymes. Rhyme zone said it rhymes. So absorb and transform. That is the third application for you. Okay. It's very similar to what I just said about sustaining. But pretty much, after absorbing all this general revelation, what we're called to do is we're supposed to transform it into special revelation. What I'm really talking about is how do we do this? How do we transform? How do we transform uh, general into special revelation? We do it by asking for the personal spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, going back to Ephesians one seventeen, when it's saying. At least if you have the ESV, it's it's, uh, capitalized. It says the spirit, capital S, of wisdom and revelation. And the way it's uh, written in the Greek is it's not a spirit of wisdom and revelation, but it's, again, a personal, capital S, spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's a person. It's not just this random, you know, floating spirit of wisdom, but it's a person. I need you to understand this. Church, do you understand this? Because whenever I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, I don't, I don't always make that connection. I just think, oh, Lord, give me knowledge, give me wisdom, give me revelation. But I don't realize that what I'm asking for is a person. And when you ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, you're asking for a personal one. It's a spirit of wisdom and revelation that can be imparted only through God himself, who is the personal spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, the goal of the spirit is for the personal knowledge of God. See, just as a person, when he wants to reveal himself to you, he wants to tell you something about him, he does it so that you just get to know him better, right? He shares something, he or she tells you something to just reveal like, hey, this is what I'm about. Hey, my name is David On, I like basketball. I'm telling you what, what I'm all about, you know? I love Jesus, I'm telling you what I'm all about. In that same way, God wants to reveal a personal knowledge of him, but he does it through a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Again, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, it's It's all for knowledge. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole purpose of 2014, the year of wisdom. It's because of knowledge, personal knowledge for him. So ask for this personal spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ask him to turn general revelation into special revelation. Ask him to illuminate the general knowledge you have into one that is specific about him. You see, when God gives you personal wisdom and revelation in this way, the knowledge you have about them escalates without limit. Let's say there's a slab of marble right next to me, okay? A huge slab of marble. So in the hands of David on, it's worth nothing, okay? I don't know what to do with marble. I'll just kick it over or something. I, it's, it's not worth anything. But in the hands of Michelangelo, you know, he'll just start, you know, just, just chopping away at it. He, what happens in the hands of Michelangelo is it becomes a priceless masterpiece of a man named David, a statue, not this David, but another David that's naked. And it's, it becomes a priceless work of art, you know, in the hands of Michelangelo, not of David on. And in the hands of an ordinary man, a basketball, it's worth about $30 USD in the hands of David on, it's worth a little more, maybe $50, maybe a hundred dollars on a good day. But in the hands of LeBron James, a basketball is worth $30,000, right? And in a similar way, when the personal spirit of wisdom and revelation comes upon you, the little knowledge you initially had about God exponentially increases. In the hands of an ordinary man, a rod, a little, little walking stick, it's used to shepherd some sheep. But in the hands of Moses, filled with wisdom and revelation, a rod is able to bring the ten plagues upon Egypt, it's able to part the Red Sea, and it's able to help us know God as the true shepherd. You see, in the hands of an ordinary man, a slingshot, it's just a kid's toy. You know, it's what Bart Simpson uses to, you know, bother his dad Homer, or, you know, Ned Flanders, one of those guys on Simpsons. I don't think a lot of people here watch Simpsons, but uh, yeah, it, slingshot is just a kid's toy, okay? You know, you just, you just throw some rocks with it, and it's just a kid's toy. But in the hands of a young boy named David, filled with wisdom and revelation, a slingshot, slingshot is what the Lord uses to bring down a giant and help you know God as the Lion of Judah, a God who is both for us and not against us. You see, when his spirit of wisdom and revelation comes upon you, he reveals knowledge about himself in ways you never expected. And do you know what it looks like for a man to be fully given the personal spirit of wisdom and revelation and to have him grow in the knowledge of God? If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 11. Isaiah is almost in the middle of the Bible. and Isaiah 11, it describes... What happens when a man receives his spirit in this way? And I'll just read it out. It says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide, disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. You see this prophecy right here, it's talking about a man named Jesus. The Messiah, the anointed one. You see, Jesus was a man who desired the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he desired to grow in the knowledge of God. You see, as a child, Jesus sat at his father's house, which was the temple. And he just sat there. He was just listening, receiving the teachings of the teachers of the law in that day. Simply because he desired to grow in the knowledge of God. And it says in Luke 2, 47, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He kept growing. In that wisdom, he kept growing in that revelation. And after he was baptized by the Holy Spirit, he was given the personal spirit of wisdom and revelation. And that's why in the hands of an ordinary man, you know, two fish and five loaves of bread. It will just be some horrible tasting sandwiches. You see, but in the hands of Jesus, filled with wisdom and revelation. It becomes a way to feed the 5,000. And it becomes a way to show us God as Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Amen. To a Jew, a bleeding woman in a crowd makes you unclean. But to Jesus, filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, a bleeding woman is an opportunity for Jesus to heal. And to show us that God is our healer, Jehovah Rapha. And lastly, to an ordinary man in Roman times, The cross is a form of slow and painful execution. But to Jesus, who is filled with, again, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the cross becomes the answer to the world's problem of sin and the only way to save mankind from eternal death and punishment. Jesus was a man who desired the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and he walked in the fullness of it. And from that place, he was able to understand the fullness of the knowledge of God. The whole point of wisdom is that we grow in the knowledge of God. Amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22, it says, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. And the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Later in the Bible, Jesus, he's actually personified as the wisdom of God. See, when you desire the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you desire a person. You desire Jesus. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We don't know about God. We can't understand the knowledge of God unless we understand Jesus, unless we seek after him. In this year of wisdom, we are called to desire Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and to grow in the knowledge of God. Let's bow our heads.